0: Good afternoon and welcome to Talk To Be Well. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, and we're here today on a very, very special episode that's gonna talk about voting and teens, and we have some special guests. For your information, I'm the Chief Executive of Behavioral Health here for Providence here in Oregon, and with me today are Billy, Susie, and Representative Rachel Prusak. Representative Prusak, Billy, and Susie are joining me because we wanna talk about voting, mental health advocacy, And most importantly, we wanna get you excited to get involved, especially if this is gonna be the first time you vote. As a reminder, the information provided during this event is for educational purposes only. It is not intended nor is it implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition Let's get started today with our guests. I'm very excited and honored to have you here. I would really love for you to take a few minutes and tell us a little bit about yourself and how are you holding up mentally during this pandemic? Um, Representative Prusak, why don't you kick us off? Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on
1: here with you all today. So again, my name is uh, Representative Rachel Prusak. I'm the state representative of House District 37, which represents Tualatin, Westland, Durham, Stafford, um, and River Grove. I um, am serving on the healthcare committee and subcommittee ways and means on economic uh, development and transportation. And I chair uh, a universal access to primary care uh, work group where we're really trying to discuss how behavioral health should be with primary care and primary care should be in behavioral health. And I know that's something that you believe in also. Um, I'm also a family nurse practitioner. So I serve homebound, disabled, and elderly in their homes where they reside, which could be a home, long-term care facility, or an adult care home. Uh, So right now, uh, during the pandemic, I am mostly serving my patients through telehealth. But a couple of times a week, I Uh, step out, put on my PPE and go uh, serve my patients. I'd say um, the thing that is mostly impacting my health during this time is the barriers between myself and my patients, Um, the barriers between myself and my constituents. So this time um, a year, I would be knocking on doors and I would just be talking to my neighbors and community members and instead of calling them. And then when I'm seeing my patients, I have a pair of gloves on, a very heavy mask on, and a shield. And so uh, for those that are hard of hearing or just that need that touch, to touch and hold someone's hand with a glove on, Um, really um, impacts me and I know them. And I often leave the visit um, thankful that I was able to uh, treat them, but also some sadness because we lack that connection. And often um, my patients, the only person that they get that from is the one person that may or may not live with them and me. So I'd say that's really what's impacting me is that isolation. And I know it's not just impacting me, it's impacting my patients. They're um, losing weight. Um, having more anxiety. And yeah, one of the things that I worked hard on was being in touch with Oregon Healthcare Associates and also DHS on how we could make sure we're respecting public health and the um, desire to um, decrease the, the access, the transmission, excuse me, of COVID-19, um, but also still find a way to visit. And so I'm really thankful that this week um, it was announced that we will be able to um, visit our loved ones that live in long term care, adult care homes um, outside with a mask on. So you know we found a balance after a lot of communication. and so that's that's something I love doing in my job. Um, but I look forward to today's uh, conversation and thanks again for having me here.
0: Awesome. And, and thank you so much for your service. Um, healthcare providers are essential workers right now during the pandemic, and your service to go out there and put yourself uh, in situations to care for your patients is absolutely amazing, and we thank you for it. Billy, uh, why don't you take a shot and tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, and how are you holding up mentally during this pandemic?
2: Sure. I'm Billy. Um, I'm a senior a uh, graduate this year. Um, I'm going to be going to Willamette University, and um, I'd say I'm holding up about as good as I can be during the pandemic. Um, you know, it's been it has been hard, especially with the um, whole isolation. Um, but I'm excited to be going to Willamette and being on campus um, this fall. So. That's something to really look forward to. And also being in isolation gives me plenty of time to prepare for that, both mentally and (laughs) actually prepare.
3: Thank you. And Susie, how about you? Uh, Hi, I'm Susie. I'm a recently graduated high school student, and I'm going to be attending the University of Oregon in the fall. how I've been holding up this pandemic, it's been interesting. It's been a lot of waves of up and downs. And, uh, you know, there's uh, been times of mourning, you know, realizing that there are things that I've lost that I can't get back. And then there's times of understanding that, you know, even if I've lost those things, it doesn't mean that they're gone for good or uh, realizing that after this all is not over, but like after we've kind of come to a place where we can uh, come together and be together again, that it's, you know, it's going to be okay and we're going to move forward. Um, I was saying earlier uh, to a, f- a friend that uh, it is interesting in that um, we're all going through this together. Uh, so it's not like I'm lagging behind. We're all kind of on this pause together. We're all kind of going through the situation together. So it's really difficult understanding. Maybe I'm not going to be on campus in the fall, who knows? But if I'm not on campus in the fall, no one else really will be either. Uh, And so it's not like I'm missing something that everyone else is experiencing. It's we're all missing this sort of, you know, idolized version of what it should be and what everyone else has kind of had before us. And we're all going to experience our our first, you know, moving into our dorms and all of that (laughs) together, even if it's not, you know, 2020, maybe if it's 2021. So it's it's been difficult, but it's also been understanding that. You know, there's a community. there's a whole people that are behind this, behind this, working really hard and um, experiencing this at the same time.
0: The effective community, that's such an important part of what we're going to talk about today. And I know a large part of what we want to talk about is voting. And I'm wondering for each of you if you can. now I know you two are are teenagers, uh, but representative Pro, as I know, um, you were a teenager once too, and I'm wondering uh, to go back in time and think about when did it really come to fruition for you that it was really, really important to vote and to be a part of, of the, the advocacy? I know for me, um, I voted for the first time when I was a student at Willamette University, and it was back during um, apartheid. And there were protests on campus talking about apartheid and talking about um, some of those types of things that were happening, not in in our country, but in South Africa. And that's really where political discourse began for me. Um, Representative Prusak, when did you first realize that it was important to vote and participate?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I see voting as being able to speak and be a part of something, and I know when um, I come in contact with somebody and they say, "Oh, my my vote doesn't count," um, you know, I, I, why would I? Why would I vote? Um, I love those discussions of, of of just that why it is important, and I feel like our vote is equal to the protesting that's happening now. Now it is um, how we uh, speak our values, and so for me, I uh, of course started engaging. Um, on what my priority is, which is access to healthcare, so I would always look at the candidate uh, that I w- that was in the race and vote for the one that resonated with me, who was fighting for uh, everybody to have access to healthcare. So um, for me, I was uh, in college and uh, in Boston and uh, got more engaged, and uh, again, just had access to health care be my number one um, reason for voting. And it still is my number one reason. There's so many other reasons, but um, any candidate that's gonna speak on behalf of access to health care and not just physical health care, but mental health care and addiction care um, is, is, is why I vote uh, and why I will continue to vote and continue to be engaged in this process.
0: Susie and Billy, how about you? What did you first realize it was important to vote?
2: I feel like I've always known that it was important to vote because that's how um people get their voice out and how um our representatives know who we want to be representing us um but I'd say it was really um eye opening uh during the last election um since i'm as you can imagine but um I feel like during that time um, we realized that there was a still a large um, population that holds these traditionalist values and who um, want things like America to be great again when it really should just become great. it. We have a lot of issues um, and I feel like um, not to say that I don't have faith in the generations before me, but I don't have a lot of faith in the generations before me. And I feel like, especially with um, teens nowadays, we're realizing that it's more and more um, important to vote, especially um, like with the with the election um, four years ago, I feel like there was a lot of people who were trying to find this perfect single candidate um that met all of their issues and if they didn't find that candidate they just didn't vote and we see what happens when people don't vote so it's not really about yeah. finding the perfect candidate it's just finding the best fit to get you closest to where you want to be
3: uh, i would say the first time I really thought about the importance specifically my vote holds, because obviously, like I've taken in school, we're taught like, oh, everyone needs to vote. Voting is important. You know, in civics, it's like this is your civic duty. Like you must vote. Uh, you're like given this sort of privilege. Um, and my mom is uh, a public official. She works in politics. And it's something that I thought about. It's something that's been close to my family is voting and the importance of voting. But I didn't really think about my vote and my kind of involvement in it until really last November uh, when I had some, uh, there was a lot of situations, many situational things that happened at my school. uh, And especially like, you know, I was speaking with my school board that was during the school board elections as well. Um, There was a lot of, you know, uh, conversations of, you know, my personhood and the personhood of other people in my school district and what it means to be a student in the school that uh, doesn't really represent what, you know, the a person is, uh, which is usually described as, you know, like a straight, cis, white person and usually men. Right. So it's like that's where many of our much, much of our education is uh, served towards those people. Um, and a lot of the experience uh, is mostly privileged for those people. Um uh, and as a queer person, it was really difficult. And we had to have those tough conversations. And I spoke to I spoke to Representative Prusak. She was amazing during that time. I spoke to Representative uh uh Senator Rob Wagner. It was um really incredible. It was a really amazing time to uh really learn about my own voice and what it means to connect with the officials in your state and the local officials and the state officials and all of the people in between. Um, Because, you know, when you think about voting, you're like, oh, I need to vote for president. But oftentimes a lot of the things that touches you specifically is your local representatives and even like your school board, which you don't really think about when you think about voting. You don't think about school board, but school board is important. You know, state legislature is important. You know, city council and mayoral elections and metro elections are really important. And we all really need to pay attention to those because it affects you know, everyone in your community, be that, you know, my specific community, like the queer community or my community as West Flynn, uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of the impact of that that I didn't really see until this year.
0: And and I'm really glad you you brought up what happened last November. For, for our viewers who may not be familiar, um, I wonder if you want to talk about this, this kind of goes into the conversation about advocacy that we wanna jump into. I know Billy and Susie, you both were involved in advocacy efforts that actually enacted real change and Representative Prusak was part of that team of people who helped you get the change. So can you, Susie, wanna give us a thumbnail about that and then maybe we can talk about the different levers you all pulled
3: yeah, uh I so I was the president of the Westland GSA, which is the Gender and Sexuality Alliance. Uh and so I was uh towards for the administration and for kind of the school, uh like the people that worked there, it was um I was kind of the representative of like those, like that community, right? Uh so oftentimes it was it was it's a difficult environment to be in in school where uh, something that I spoke a lot about with my sister who really helped me, Madison Walters, uh, was the idea that um, we don't really need, like, we we as a queer community, we don't really recognize um, the oppression that we face because we feel like this is uh, sort of what we have to endure to be queer. Like, this is something we've, deci- we've decided to be queer, and so we have to face the repercussions. And this is something that was very prevalent in school, where you're surrounded by your peers, and many of them don't really Understand what it is to be queer. They don't under—they aren't educated on the history of being queer, and and they a lot of times they aren't given you know access yeah. to comprehensive sex ed. So it's uh, you're all around a lot of people that are very ignorant uh, to what it means to be queer. They don't really understand it, um, and sometimes they're quiet. Sometimes they don't really you know interact with that sort of you know they don't really interact with you, and then other times there are people that are very angry about it or are very, uh, they don't understand it, um, and they're taught certain things at home, and they decide, you know what, what I'm going to do instead of minding my own business is I'm going to harass and hurt people. Um, that's, you know, I would have people come to GSA. Uh, you know, my underclassmen would be like, yeah, I was in the halls, and people have been tugging on my backpack or pushing me or calling me slurs. Uh, and... It was kind of something that I was like, we need to do something about this. We need to address this. Uh, And it got, it was something, it was, you know, it was a lot happening at once. And then uh, um, our uh, we were, for our centennial, there is this sort of um, organized uh, celebration where food trucks were allowed to be on the property uh, at football games. And one of those food trucks was Chick-fil-A which has a very long, very public, very known history of being homophobic and transphobic. Um, and that was kind of like, you know, it wasn't the last straw. There's many other things that happened uh, that I don't really want to speak on because it's not really my place. But um, uh, that was something that really kickstarted my GSA was like, we need to get this off of our campus because it's we are already in an environment in which we don't feel safe. And we're not, you know, even teachers who don't ask us weird invasive questions or are weird about us you know it's like we already feel unsafe at our school with our peers and with our educators uh we don't want that perpetuated uh you know through businesses being allowed on our campus that don't want us to exist you know uh so we kind we i went to uh our athletics director and our principal and i was like hey this sends a very loud, very obvious message about our school and our district's stance on queer people. Even if that wasn't your intention, this is what it means to us. Uh, and it, this is what it means to, uh, you know, the people who already hate us is that they're backed by the district and the district agrees with them. And even if this was not intense, intentional, this is what it sends, you know, intent versus impact. And I will tell you um, that, yeah, having the food truck on our campus did sort of escalate the amount of animosity we had, uh, the amount of animosity we received. And it changed the narrative of, you know, what it means to be queer at school and what it means to be homophobic and transphobic at school. Right. And so uh, we had uh, we had a lot of conversations. Um, I had a lot of amazing people who helped me. And we organized um, a protest, and I posted about it on the GSA official Instagram, and it received, I think right now it's at 500 comments, and most of them are people saying really horrible, mean things, right? Um, And it was, it was like, it it was something that, you know, it kept me up at night of like, I'm organizing this protest, is this going to hurt more than it helps? Who is this? how, what are we going to do after this? Like if, if we organize this protest and we all attend, who else is going to come and what, like, what amount of violence are they going to show? Uh, and it was, it was really scary and it was really, it wasn't, it wasn't hard. Um, it was like, it was something that I was, that I wanted to do that. I was like, it, this is, you know, it's enough. Like, this is enough. Like, this is, we faced mm-hmm. so much, so, so, so much, Uh, I've been here for four years. I've seen so much that this needs to become a publicly addressed issue because oftentimes queer people aren't a publicly addressed issue. You know, oftentimes when they are, it's a shoehorned. you know, like, oh, and I care about gay people, but it's like, and yeah, we still have all these laws. We still have all of these practices in place. We still have all all of this animosity. We still have this idea that, you know, queer conversations are mature or adult when they're not. Um, so I held this protest, uh, when we were there, there was a large counter protest as well. Um, there was, you know, there was a lot of animosity. There was a lot of, um, you would go into the school for weeks after and there would be, you know, Chick-fil-A bags where where people were like hiring and organizing. Like there's, there's, I saw there was a senior who was, who was, um, like started this sort of like, not business, but was doing this thing where um, they would ask, they would they sent out this whole public thing. I was like, I'm going to Chick-fil-A at lunch. Venmo me money and I will buy whatever you want. And they would get, order huge amounts of Chick-fil-A so that they could bring it into the school and they would purposefully leave their bags out places. So the Chick-fil-A bags and sort of that sort of, sort, and that, uh, you know, it sent a message, right? Where you would go to school and it was, you're not welcome here. And I received a lot of help from, The administration, I have a lot of really great, uh, I had a lot of really great conversations. I attended school board meetings. Uh, I was really appreciative and I really, um, but I really wish that it had gone a little bit further. I wish that there was more public comment from our district, but I was very lucky in that Rachel came on and joined us. Uh, We got in contact with Basic Rights Oregon. Uh, Rob Wagner was involved. Um, and we, rights Oregon and I got in touch, and we uh, we planned a pronoun presentation for the entire staff at Westland High School. So we had a like a huge sort of we had the protest, and then a couple months later, we had to sit down with the staff. That was like, hey, your impact, you your you know, you impact us just as much as our peers do, and even if it's coming from a place of of goodwill, sometimes it's the intention doesn't really come across. So here's we had this huge Presentation where we talked about like what is an appropriate, what is appropriate and what isn't appropriate. It was really great. Sorry, I talked forever.
0: And 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 I was gonna say, and I want to jump in here for a minute because you you put a lot, a lot, a lot out there. A lot out there. And and what I want to ask Representative Prusak, you know, when you as a representative, um, first of all, I don't know that everybody fully understands what a representative does. But in the context of what I know you heard and what you experienced in helping what are now your constituents who are gonna vote in November, um, what what does that make you think about in your role as a representative and what you can do?
1: Yeah, well, first, thank you to Susie and Billy for um, speaking up during that really challenging time and for reaching out to me. And I think it is, It goes to show why I ran for office and what I see my role as. And that is for too long, the people in power have been um, older, straight, white, richer. And I just felt like being a voice for my patients who struggle, being a voice for um, communities that feel like they have not been heard for so long, Um, whether it's the queer community or the community that lives paycheck to paycheck and still has to work like myself. Um, How do we um, make sure that those voices are filling the halls that vote, whether it's school board, city Mm -hmm. council, state representative, county commissioner. And so when I hear stories like that, it's really, it, it it fills my heart with joy knowing that the hard work that i put into saying we need to um, have more people in power who represent our diverse communities and then everyone should feel safe at school bottom line everyone should feel safe at school so when i heard what was going on that's when i used my position of power to elevate the voices of the students whether that was attending school board meetings with them, whether it was releasing a press release with Senator Wagner, um, standing with them and being there for them. Um, And that to me, while my job is to uh, represent the constituents of House District 37, um, debate bills that come to us and how it would impact my constituents, um, it is also to elevate the voices of the constituents in the community when if that is how my, that, that position of power, being a state representative can help, that is what I'm gonna do. So um, I'm just gonna share a little story about, as I mentioned, I care for elderly. I care for um, aging seniors, usually 80, 90, some 100. And I had a patient who hid their entire life who they were. They went through life having a marriage, having children who they loved, um, had a divorce um, and hid who they were. And after feeling more and more comfortable with me as their clinician opened up to me and could wear the clothes they wanted to wear and to tell me the name that they um, identified as when they were out in their small community. And this is someone in their late 80s who actually just passed a few months ago. But in those last few years of his life, he was able to connect with others that felt um, uh, he didn't have to hide anymore. Well, he still hid but he had a community and I don't want, I love that our young students are speaking up so they don't have to do that anymore. Um, And again, anything that I can do to lift up voices of those that um, feel unheard,
0: I'm going to. So I think this raises a really good point. Susie, you mentioned the importance of school boards and I know you all went to the school board meetings around all of this. How do young people know who to vote for. I mean, I've read the voters pamphlet. I know I have my way that I look at things and go, oh, you belong to this organization or you belong to that organization. And that tells me what your politics are, whether I know you or not. But how do you get your information to know who to vote for and who are the trusted sources that that our young wow. people can go to? Because not everybody's gonna have you know, the access that you all have any thoughts about that
3: yeah uh, I think oftentimes when you're running a campaign you have places where you meet with people so open house parties right where you uh meet with people and you kind of say like "Here's what I'm representing here's what I want to represent Uh, and you can go to those and you can uh, understand them not only as like what they want to do policy-wise but you also get to know them as a person you get to see what they're like uh, speaking to a group of people, um, you get to see what they're like, you know, you know, talking to people, being, you know, friendly. There's also, you know, the understanding of, uh, you know, you can ask them in, like questions if you hear what they're saying, but you don't really know how, like, know if that's mm-hmm. really what they mean. You can ask them like, where are you getting most of your funding? Like what, who's funding you? Like do you, where are you getting most of your money to run this campaign? And oftentimes there are certain tellers of like uh, whether or not they're being um, disingenuous or not. There are uh, certain organizations that will give them a lot, give people a lot of money to quiet down certain issues that, you know, I personally believe, you know, need to be brought up. Um, You can also reach out, you know, uh, they'll have, you'll see big signs like vote for this person. Sometimes they'll have a phone number. You can reach out to them. Uh, You can also reach out to people that you know that are involved politically. Uh, So, like, you know, reach out to people who you know uh, that are into like into these conversations. You can ask them, like, what are your thoughts on this person? If they can't give those thoughts freely, you can ask, okay, what do you know about them? And what do you know that they what do you know? What have you heard them supporting? Mm -hmm. I think it's really uh, it's like these things are easy to find and also, you know, accessible. I think um, it's difficult for me to talk on this certain ish- this cor- kind of conversation because my mom, uh, because my mom is a politician. It is that thing where I'm, I'm exposed to these, uh, these events yes. a lot more than a lot of my other peers. Like I am very much more aware of, you know, mm-hmm. local elections, what's up for grabs, what isn't, like what seats are open, who's running for those seats. I know, uh kind of what is going on because I am very close to it personally and my family's very close to it so I don't know those are certain things that I go to with my mom (laughs) yeah but I don't know that's a really great I don't know if this is like a great tell of like where to find these resources because I kind of am given these resources
0: oh you gave a lot of you gave a lot of good good resources um I think other things to look or online are to align with groups that align with the things you value. Often places will put out endorsements uh, and look for the places that you value. Billy, I know you, um, you're about to turn 18 very, very soon. And you very much wanted to do something different for your birthday. You want to talk about that?
2: Um, Yeah. So on my birthday, we, um, we're actually planning to host a voter registration drive. Um, and that part is going to be online. And then um, we're going to be physically hosting a drop and go um, donation drive where people can um, bring by supplies or even just monetary donations um, to, God, I forget all the organizations that are involved, but um, a lot of them are involved with um, youth queer and um, homelessness and um, a lot of those issues. And I, yeah, I just, i really like celebrating my birthday. So this just felt like a really good way to spread even more word about the importance of voting and giving people an actual platform to do that. And also to help try and support the local community because I have a lot of um, friends who are homeless and I want to make sure that they're safe.
0: So so Representative Kruzek, I know your staff have been incredible mentors to help these young people organize this voter drive. Why are voter drives important for you, especially in voters who are gonna be out there for the first time?
1: And I'm sorry, you've got cut out. Why is what important?
0: Voter drives, voter registration drives.
1: Oh yeah, great. Yeah, Um. so I've been engaged in encouraging people to vote for a while. And I think it's important to have the one-on-one conversations. As I mentioned earlier, I've heard from people who have said my you know, voice doesn't matter, my vote doesn't matter. And if you have that opportunity to have that conversation about why it does, and it's as simple as saying, What issue is important to you? And then when they list what issue is important to them, then you can direct them to, okay, well, that's why this race is important. This person and this person believe these things. So if you actually really care about that, this is how you can get engaged, right? Whatever issue that may be. And so just seeing the TV ad or just seeing what comes up on your computer might not encourage someone to register, Um, But having the conversations about it and really being able to answer questions about um, how important it is by connecting it to the issues that are important to them um, is super important. And, you know, for a community that Billy and Susie um, are a part of, as mentioned, we have an increase in um, mental health issues. We have an increase in suicide. We have an increase in homelessness. Um, My husband is from New Orleans, and so I lived there for a few years and worked for Tulane and worked specifically at a clinic um, uh, that was within a homeless shelter that served the queer community because they were on the streets for their parents kicking them out. So I think any community that has felt underrepresented or hasn't had a voice, um, it's
0: so important to organize and make sure that your voice does count. Well, and I know we saw that two years ago in the 2019 session when a group of teens brought forward House Bill 2191 that brought us mental health days, the ability for students in Oregon to take a mental health day and to really have the ability to be excused from school for anxiety, depression, or whatever mental health issue. Uh, That was not something that was equitable across all Oregon schools. I know Susie and Billy, you were students in school when the mental health day bill passed, and as seniors, you got to have that. Did you ever use that personally, or or know anybody who used that that new law as part of your mental health?
2: Probably too many times, but.
0: <laughs> uh
3: yeah. Oh. I, I'm, sorry. I'm sure you know. After my whole long explanation of you know this this past year for me, I. You could glean that I took a couple for myself as well, (laughs) but uh, it was, it was, um, it is, it was something that was still very stigmatized. You know, it was the idea like, Well, I'm not really sick, I'm not really doing that bad, like, I can continue doing this. And I'm really glad that they're incoming freshmen that get to experience this, you know, for their whole high school career. Because for my senior year, it was that thing where I still felt like, Am I really allowed to do this? Am I really allowed to. Uh, really take off school to make sure that I'm mentally healthy, just as I am physically healthy. Uh, And I like, am very thankful for the students that like advocated for this. And I'm very thankful for the legislature that allowed this to happen. And for Kate Brown, Uh, it was like, it was very, very uh, self-affirming, you know, like, like I am like, like my mental health is just as important as my physical health. Uh, I do know a couple of friends who, who, also, like, benefited greatly from this. Um, I do know a couple times where they would try to uh, sort of, you know, take a mental health day. They would try to leave halfway through school, and, you know, there were certain people that were, like, you can't, like, blah, 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 you know. (laughs) It was, it was, like, it is a very new, it is a very new sort of, like, yeah, you know, where like, you know, there are certain faculty or teachers that didn't really understand, and we're, like, well, we're trying to prepare for this test, and it's, like, I, promise that I will study for this test. I promise that I will try to do my best on this test, but I really need to go home. Like, I really can't stay here. Uh, and it's, it was very beneficial. It was very like, cause I remember my, my junior year when we didn't have this, like when I was feeling really bad, I would just go to the bathroom and skip class just to find a place where I could be by myself. Yeah. Um, uh, be, and that was worse than going home because usually if I go to my, if I'm going home for mental health Like I could go to my teachers or email my teachers and say, Hey, I'm really not doing great. Could you please, you know, send me the things that we're doing in class? Whereas when I went to the bathroom to be by myself, I would just skip class and miss everything. So I'm very, very thankful. I think this is going to be this is a really great, great law to have. And I think it's really going to help end the stigmatization around mental mental illness and help promote mental wellness and health.
1: Yeah. And again, we have the the students teaching us. I think, you know. for for far too long, you know, pull yourself up from your bootstraps or, you know, just get it together. I do. (laughs) Or, um, you know, you you have to do this. This This is how it's done. And it's like, what culture did we create to say that? And there are definitely days that I'm, you know, feeling down and feeling sad and feeling depressed or even anxious. And I do have to say to myself, Rachel, just take 15 minutes and breathe. And you, you you, have people to serve, whether it's your patients or constituents, you can get through this. But then there are those days that you have to say, I just need one day off. And if I have that one day off, I will be able to give all of myself again. Um, and I remember as, as, a, as a younger nurse, I've been a nurse since I was 21. Um, and, and working in hospitals is really intense. And as nurses, we would say, I'm going to take, you know, you, you accrue one day a month that's 12 a year, some people take two weeks off a year. Some of us would say, I'm gonna take this one day as a mental health day every month. And that's how I can continue to give all of myself to my patients or my family. Um, And I think the more we speak up to it, not just students, but adults, that this is real, um, uh, we will be a much healthier society.
2: I really like that. um, I really like that wording of of giving, your whole self because um, I remember the days when I'd go to school um, when I was very depressed or anxious, especially um, with my junior year because that was a year that I um, went to PHP and I would still try to go to school in the morning. And it really was probably worse than just not going because then I'm still trying to spend my energy on learning but um, a lot of my energy is already taken up with depression or anxiety so a lot of that information that i was so-called absorbing um during class was just in one ear and out the other because i was distracted
0: and for our viewers who don't know what php is can you can you clarify
2: uh php is partial hospitalization um it was it's essentially day treatment, but for eating disorders. And I went there um, for most of my junior year.
0: Thank you. And thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing. All of you have been so vulnerable today and, and shared your personal stories and how voting uh, really impacts you. Um, I do have a, a very brief question for Representative Prusak uh, that kind of takes us in a little bit different direction for just a second. But uh, one of our viewers wanted to know, with a citizen legislature coming in, in not going to be able to come and see you in the Capitol. Yeah,
1: that's a great question. So right now we are um, holding our subcommittees, I'm sorry, our, our Ways and Means subcommittees all week on Teams and it's been posted for people p- to be able to submit testimony. But just like if we were in Salem, um, these are the type of committees that it's a lot of informationals, but it does include public testimony. So uh, people can go to the Oregon Legislature website, which is olus.com and um, olus.gov. I should know this, but it's just up on my um, <laughs> the computer. I haven't had to enter it in a long time, um, uh, .or.us. But um, if you just Google Ola and Oregon, it will come up. Um, And every day it has a calendar and you can see what's planned for the next week. So um, writing to your state representative, writing to your Senator, um, of course, doing that for your city council and school board and county commissioner too. But um, we get hundreds of emails a day. So believe me, we uh, read our emails. Um, We get back to people as often as possible. So any questions, I'm uh, talking to people daily now about unemployment, um, the issues that we've had with the employment department and really taking that on. Um, And so calling, emailing, whenever there's opportunity for public testimony, please submit public testimony. Um, If you have trouble doing it, just reach out to your legislator. We will help you with that. Um, And then any issue that's brought to me I, ra- I raise it to the agencies or to the executive branch if that's where it's supposed to go. Um, and then as we move forward in 2021 for a session, um, I don't know what it will be like. Um, I know for our special session, we will be um, going back into, uh, uh, the Capitol and we'll be in our offices and go on the floor separately to vote. Um, but at this time, nobody is uh, coming into the building. It's all just um, public testimony. I will say for this last special session, they set um, for people who didn't submit testimony um, and wanted to actually be there because the lack of that process is really hard. People um, want to be heard, but they set phones up on the steps on both sides of the Capitol. So- anybody can testify. And if you are unable to get to the Capitol, again, writing into your legislator, submitting testimony, um, uh, there's there's ways to still be heard. And it is unfortunate that we're not all together. Um, we miss the, the public process very much also. Um, yeah.
0: Thank you. Thank you. That was really, really helpful. I know for me, um, I'm testifying Thursday in a committee. Uh, so it's going to actually be uh, my first experience actually won't be my first experience testifying remotely. Uh, we used to live in Central Oregon, and and during snowstorms, they would let you testify remotely uh, because it was just safer. So this that's is right. Just a giant right. snowstorm.
1: That's right. In hundred degree the, weather. Yeah, it's 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 balancing <laughs> the utmost importance of public input and also public yeah. safety, and public I, I safety. think that we have found that by. Um, you know, everything that every meeting that's happening is being streamed. Um, and you can submit testimony and then on special session, come and be heard on the phones, but I wish it was better too. I wish a lot of things I the connection with people is, is,
0: is definitely impacting all of us. Well, we're coming to the end of our time today, and I want to do one more round and ask you all, um, you know, one of the things that we have learned, uh, whether it's, working with the LGBTQIA community, or working in mental health, that advocacy is important, especially in educating and reducing stigma. And for someone who's never stepped into that advocacy uh, role, advocacy community, I'm wondering if you three experts could share a little bit of your wisdom and inspiration so that maybe we can get a few more advocates out there. Um, Susie, you wanna kick us off? Sure.
3: (laughs) I would let you know if you're just kind of starting this journey that, you know, you're not alone. You have a huge community. You have public officials. You have, uh, you have like organizations, nonprofit organizations that understand like what you're trying to say, understand your message and they want to support you and your message. Or if you just, if, or they want you to come join them and help, have you help them like, you know, give their message. Uh, oftentimes when you're joining sort of advocacy, it can feel very lonely. You can feel very much like I'm fighting something that like is very immovable. Um, and it's something that's been in practice for so many years. How do I how do I cause effective change? And at the end of the day, is it enough? It's always going to be enough. Just starting a conversation is enough and you're never going to be alone in that. And there's people that want to start that conversation, but are waiting for someone else to do it. So, um, you know, if you feel like, you know, I want to start this conversation, but I'm alone. You're not alone. And you starting this conversation will probably spark a huge, you know, movement of other people that will carry on your, you know, message, even after you've left, or, you know, will want to help you carry on your message. Like when you if you stay, you know, it's it's something that's, that's um, very impactful, and it changes many people's lives. Uh, And it's, it's, it's not easy, but it's, it's important and it's something that, you know, has to get done so that Mm -hmm. we can have, you know, a better, you know, future than the past we've left behind.
2: Yeah. I had, um, especially with last, uh, before last November, um, I had always been a sort of like silent advocate, I guess. Like I still um, supported a lot of issues, but I was never very, vocal about it because i didn't think that my voice would actually be heard or made an impact make an impact um and then during that um november my car at school actually ended up getting vandalized and someone wrote queer on the back um with a bunch of vulgar images drawn on um and it was sort of after that point that i um my mindset with it was just like, even if um, my voice isn't as widely heard, I'm still going to be speaking out as loud as I can um, because these are issues that I really care about. And um, also I feel like what a lot of people don't realize is that if there is an issue that you're passionate about that you um, support, then there's likely an organization for that. Um, So it's really about um, just reaching out and looking for those places that are um, doing the work that you want to do.
1: So when I have the conversation with people, like how do I start, where do I begin? There's so many things that I care about. I think um, as um, Susie and Billy mentioned, Find the thing that resonates with you. Find the thing you're most passionate about. And then find the organization that's advocating and become part of that. Um, because then your voice isn't just one. It's uh, it's it's a lot of people. And coalition building is so important. Um, so for me, I uh, first started getting engaged with Um, nurses associations and from there whatever the nurses were advocating for I would go and testify and just for everybody to know even though I'm a state representative now when I first started going to testify I would be shaking I would be nervous Mm -hmm. I hated public speaking but because I knew the issue was so important I mean, there'd be times people would say, oh, public speaking, you'll get good at it, you just have to keep doing it. And I'm like, nope, it's been a year and I'm still nervous. Um, but, <laughs> but but, they were right. Um, when you are passionate about something, you find the group of people advocating for it, you join that group and you fight together. Um, and you know, as you mentioned earlier, um, being behind the scenes a little bit, Billy, I think whatever someone can do, so whether it's make calls, whether it's uh, you know now attending events is hard, whether it's donating, you find how you can um, connect and then 100% vote. You figure out the issues as you all discussed earlier, the voting pamphlet, people's websites, calling them, emailing them, asking them um, about their values and what's important to you. Um, so getting engaged in voting is uh, so important.
2: Yeah, talking about and advocating for issues um, will bring them to light, but you can't really make proper change unless you actually go out there and vote.
0: All right. Well, I think you've heard it from our brave teens and uh, I want to give a very very special special thank you to Representative Sack for her great insights and for all of the work that you do for Oregonians every single day. It has been a pleasure talking with you all about voting advocacy and the power of finding your own voice. To support those of you who may be not only here in Oregon but around the country in our viewing areas, our website at www.worktobewell—that's number two bewell.org—now has a voter registration tool on it that will connect you to information about how to register to vote in any state you're in in the country. It is live today. Please go in and use that tool. Please embrace your inner advocate. And remember that advocacy education is the biggest way that we can together fight the stigma of mental health, the stigma against uh, all of the, the different things, all of our different populations that have been marginalized, whether we're people of color, whether we're queer, whether whatever it is that we're bringing to the table, there is a community for you and you are loved and accepted. My name is Dr. Robin Henderson, and I am with Talk to Be Well, and please stay safe and be well. Thanks, everybody.